We are jumping into a message today called Reconnect. And we've been talking about all these re-words in our series, re, right? Which makes sense. And it's been fun to, to look and consider, but I just want to remind us again, I said this a couple weeks ago, but if you're fresh into the series, it's kind of interesting because I don't want to be necessarily like a refurbished person. Like, I don't know if you send your phone in or your computer in, if you're happy to get a refurbished replacement versus like a new one. Sometimes it can bother people, uh, even if it comes with the same warranty, right? It's like, no, I, I want a new one for that warranty, not a refurbished. But reality is we were created brand new when we were born. And the reality of Scripture that we're taught from Genesis on to the New Testament, in the Scriptures we can see that we're literally uh, born in the image of God, created in His likeness, and life happens. And we have choices to, to be made new every day, so we are, in all reality, consistently being refurbished. We're being reborn. We're being recreated. And so the word re does make sense as much as maybe, you know, we don't like it in practice in real life, right? And so we're looking at these different words to say, man, how can we reconnect? How can we connect more than we are right now with God and each other? How is this possible? And many of these words reveal the reality of God's love for us and the strengthening in our relationship with him and the potential if we have a relationship with Jesus or if we don't. So I want you to think on this today. What are we missing out on if we try and just do life alone? If we try to do life without Jesus and each other? Because we'll miss out on something. We'll miss out on something that God really intended us to get the full power of. And so we're going to look at some things. We have a series that, uh, or a series verse, segment of verses. It's Philippians 1, 3 through 6 in the New Testament. It says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God who began this good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. The connections Paul made with the people he shared the gospel with in different cities, which are the books we read that he wrote, like Philippians, he's communicating to the people there with deep joy, with love, with heart. And I think that's incredible. He has this passion for the people, this relationship that is rich that he developed, even in short little times in some of these cities. And do we have that with each other? Do we have that kind of connection, that kind of bond, that passion for one another? Our big idea today is we need to reconnect. It was real tough to come up with that one. Right? In a message called Reconnect. Let's think about this really hard, guys. Let's be creative. Uh, we need to reconnect. There we go. Got that. Let's move on. Uh, now, in the age of connection, come on. We are so connected. 
It's a massive problem for some. It's, uh, it's always on, right? Some people keep it next to their bed. They hear the little... Admittedly, I was on vacation, right? I'm in Puerto Vallarta, two-hour difference. And uh, all of a sudden, last Sunday morning, my phone's going... Now, I turned off my silent alarm on my Fitbit, or I would have woke up at 5.45 a.m. That would have stunk, right? Even though it would have been 7.45 there. Still was early on vacation time. And so, but it started like the phone was, like, going crazy. And I was like, oh, yeah, I had reminders on there. I need to turn them off, uh, set up and prayer and the different things that happen during the course of a Sunday. It's so easy to just always be connected. But how, when we're so connected... Have we become so disconnected from face-to-face relationships? It's, it's crazy. Articles are written about the issue of, you know, uh, depression. Jaden shared one on, uh, with the different campus leads, and we were considering, like, what can we do to help people, like, get out of their phones? We're actually pushing you to your phones. There's an app for that. Just download openlife.church. You know? Oh, you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus? Click next steps on your app. Oh, shoot, we're pointing you to your phone. But the reality is, in the most connected generation, we've become disconnected. Somehow we've just segmented our relationships into this small screen, as beautiful as it is, if it's an iPhone. But anyway, um, the challenge is we're more content to Facebook stock someone and, like, judge what they're doing in their life versus have a a conversation with them and find out what they're doing with their life. How can we turn that around? We leave connecting with people to mere chance when it's easiest for us versus really intentionally developing relationship with one another. When it comes to faith, our relationship with Jesus, it's easy to believe that we're always connected as well. Like, oh, well, you know, I, I made that decision to follow Jesus. All is good. I'm, I'm good. I can, I can just put this relationship kind of in neutral over here. It's almost like Jesus will always be there for me. So when I, when I follow him, it's, it's just I don't need to really work at this relationship. It's easy to be disconnected with Jesus as well. And we're connecting to Jesus from a position of convenience instead of devotion. And it just goes on with life, right? Even our work, now we've got work from home, and it's easy to, in the areas of our, our work to be disconnected from staff, from employees, from our coworkers, relationships degrade. How can we be more connected during this season? We have some thoughts for you. Thought one, connection requires intentionality. Connection requires intentionality. Psalm 19 says in verse 7, The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, 
even honey dripping from the comb. They are warning to your servant a great reward for those who obey them. Three areas we could really be intentional that would strengthen our life. One is, is in the area of Scripture. If we want to grow our relationship with Jesus, there's not a more vital step than spending time in the Bible. Just, just listen to these words of what the Scripture can do that we just read. Revive the soul. Make wise the simple. Bring joy to the heart. Insight for living. It's a desirable. It's a great reward. There's beautiful things inside of it. It just gives life in a way you can't explain until you begin to read it on your own daily and begin growing in it. And then you're like, why did I not do this before? Time in the scripture is easier than any time in history. <laughs> I mean, you could download the YouVersion app, which is on uh, your phone again, right? <laughs> you can have the, the Bible is literally like any translation is with you right here. Unless you like paper and you can get a Bible at any store, right? But the, you can develop reading plans, reminders. Uh, you can read on your commute as long as you're not driving. Remember, that's a big ticket now, so don't do that. Um, you can have it read to you, though, while you're driving. So there's all kinds of ways you can have daily exposure to Scripture. It's almost like there's no excuse. It's at our fingertips. But we have to be intentional about planning time to read. We've got to have a plan, because without a plan, we'll fail. Fail to plan, plan to fail. The other element, so you have Scripture, you have prayer. It's a natural relationship, this thing, Scripture and prayer. In fact, you look at Jesus walking through the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John record Jesus' life, and you would see him get away and have, have times of prayer. And he would often, you know, even when tempted, quote Scripture. But he's like using that in his conversation with God. He'll reflect on Scripture. Oftentimes when we're reading scripture, we can find something that maybe is a challenge or an application. And prayer is simply a conversation with God. So we have this opportunity to go, man, God, that's really challenging, or I don't get that. And sure, it might feel weird to talk to yourself at first. You're not really talking to yourself. You're talking to God. But prayer is that thing that sometimes is just difficult for people. It was for me. And so I just started becoming comfortable talking out loud to God about what I was feeling, about what I read, or what's going on in my life, or what's going on in the world around me. Prayer is a vital, intentional step to grow our relationship with Jesus. It's simply having a conversation with God. And then there's this element of it when we're talking to God, and we're just even sharing our joys, our hurts, our confusions, our doubts. There's this time of, like, pausing in prayer that oftentimes God will allow us in reflection to hear from the Holy Spirit and actually have what was promised in that passage right there, insight for living. Like, he'll answer us in a way that we never thought we could be answered and guided. And like, life to the full can happen out of that. Like, we can actually receive guidance from God. 
It's a beautiful thing. But we have to, again, be intentional with prayer. We have to connect with Jesus, allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak to us, and allow our heart to be transformed, and then our mind engages. It's a beautiful process. I let my personal relationship with Jesus be fed during the week, not only at church, right? Or through other people's insights. It's easy to come and, you know, we've spent a bunch of time inside this text. And as a communication team, we've bantered over thoughts and big ideas and action points for the course of a few weeks before we launch this series. And then we get into the series and then we're kind of thinking through still and, and we'll have an idea and we'll go, oh, no, that's not worded right. Or we'll have a reword we think should be one of the talks. No, 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 that's not the right reword. And, and we'll have hours of discussion and we show up here and we regurgitate the insights we have gotten from God that we think will equip you to live life to the full. But have you personally spent that kind of time in the scripture, in dialogue with God, so that you as well can have such confidence in his instruction? It takes time invested to ignite that passion and confidence and conviction within us personally in scripture. My passion for people can become numb if I'm not in a daily relationship with God. My longing to serve others can become darkened with a longing to be served if I'm not spending time in Scripture and prayer. I become entitled, grumpy. I become that judgmental, hypocritical Christian in this world. I don't want to be that. It's interesting how it can lead to an unnatural relationship if we're not consistently in relationship with God. And I thought of it um, in a weird way this week. So we were gone for a week away from our four kids for the first time in years on a vacation with just Dana and I celebrating our 20th anniversary, which was back in April. And uh, so we go on this vacation and it was hard the first couple of days, specifically for Dana, right? It didn't help that one of our kids got sick the first night, and they're like, and we did have internet working on the phone, and it, and it's like, you know, Jaden's throwing up, and Dana's like, first flight back, let's do it right now. I'm like, she'll be healthy by the time we get there. It's all good. Close your mind off from your heart, and let's move on with vacation. Yes, I'm the, I'm the voice of reason. Let them live. Whatever happens, they'll make it. Um, but it was hard, right? First couple of days, your heart's torn. You're sitting there going, oh, are we, how are, are they going to survive? You know, Preston's got peanut allergies. Grandma's trying to feed him nuts. Stop it, you know. The twins are going crazy thinking grandma's trying to kill the child. You know, but it's, it was fun. But here's the interesting piece that applies to this point, maybe some. Uh, we get home at 11.30 at night, pull into the driveway. We don't have to unlock or open the door or go through the garage. Our oldest two are awake and ready for mom and dad to be home. They come out onto the porch. From that moment on, there was no silence for about an hour. We got a download, an entire recap of everything that was happening during the course of that week. The news was shared completely in detail, oftentimes two different stories at the same time overlapping each other. 
because twins do that, twin telepathy. And uh, it, it was just constant. And at, like it's 1230, 2.30 Puerto Vallarta time. Dana and I are going, our minds can't comprehend this much communication. It hasn't happened. This, you know, this is insane. And uh, we finally convinced them to let us go to sleep, right? When you only communicate once a week, it kind of develops this unnatural, really hard line of communication. And so it was like, that was the first time we really had had conversation in eight days. And I think showing up to church once a week, being our only communication with God, can sometimes be as awkward and overwhelming. We come here and we're hearing these things and we're like, what is he talking about? I'm so overwhelmed. It's like all this information. He's, has he gone past 30 minutes already? I can't listen anymore. Well, in the Huff home, we constantly have conversation. We constantly talk throughout the day. We have meals together at a table every day. Um, and so that's more natural for us. Usually we don't have to have, usually I get the after school download of information, dinner table download of information, at night download of information. I mean, usually we're talking multiple times a day. But when it's all at once, whew, that's a lot of information. Do you see how that can be unnatural in our relationship with God as well? I think that's why we have these challenges to have daily relationship with God. It can be exhausting otherwise. And it, it intentionally, if we're spending time in Scripture and prayer daily, will we'll be less taxing on us to grow in a relationship with Jesus. But there's one more thing, I guess. Uh, I had a mentor call it the three-legged stool, right? Scripture, prayer, and people. Listen to this passage from 1 Corinthians 9. Don't you realize, in verse 24 it says, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. What is this talking about, right? The reality of our interpersonal relationships and disqualifying ourselves if we're not being disciplined and growing our relationship with God in that scripture and prayer element, right? This challenge of, wait, our lives are supposed to preach a message about the love and grace of Jesus. We must be intentional with our connection with people. Everyone is looking for authentic and genuine relationships around them. And boy, what a more beautiful people to be genuine, loving, authentic than the Christians that are my neighbors. Right? Those are the people that should set the tone. And Acts 2.4.2 we'll look at next week. But 
the, uh, a little more in depth, but ultimately in Acts 2, you see this picture of the church gathering together daily, eating meals together, sharing resources with one another. They knew what it was like to live in community with one another. They served one another unconditionally. They were constantly building each other up and encouraging each other. And I got this picture. When I think of building each other up and encouraging one another, has anybody watched like the Ninja Warrior shows on TV, like American Ninja Warrior and these different things? And I know I look like a ninja. I mean, we're talking about training and running, you can tell. I don't do that. But uh, the, uh, the, if I could hold myself up on a bar, it would be progress, right? That's a lot to hold up. But the, uh, looking at these American Ninja Warrior shows, these guys are just animals, right? And they're, it seems like every person they interview has some form of adversity they've come through. But the most amazing thing to watch is all those competing against each other, encouraging each other. Like there's these crowds that always do the pan of everybody cheering them on on the side. And sure, you'll have family members wearing their name on a shirt or whatever their costume is or whatever they're using. But then you have this whole other crowd of competitors, mutual competitors that train together that are encouraging one another. And you're just going, wow, they're really encouraging. I remember when I ran a, a, a sprint triathlon. I, well, I swam, biked, and ran. Uh, but I did uh, the Labor of Love triathlon here in Bonnie Lake. I was like, these people are encouraging. Like, if I'm going to be about a group of people, this group of people is pretty amazing. And you just go to look at the Ninja Warrior, you look at this, and you go, it's this togetherness. It's this, they're, they're making some real sacrifices to be able to do what they do. And they're encouraging one another to succeed. But what about the guys who try to do it alone? What if you tried to do Ninja Warrior, but you just, like, booed the opponent? What if you were glad when they went in the water on the first obstacle? Loser! You can't even jump back and forth? Boom, right? And uh, I'm such a loser, I forgot which hand to use for the L. But anyway, so, you know, it's like, come on! It'd be horrible if you're just mocking people in the crowd. You don't see that. But if you did, you would have nobody cheering you on. You'd be doing the race alone. It would not be mutually building up at all. It'd be deflating. Well, the faith is the same. We were never intended to do faith alone. We were never intended to do life alone. So you have this opportunity to walk through a door where multiple people who are the church, right? You are the church, come together because we want to grow and be inspired to, to live life to the full and we go out from here. But the coolest thing is we get to worship God together. We get to declare the things that we read in Scripture in song to God together or, or even look at the truths and be encouraging one another. These faces matter that sit next to you. These people matter. We don't want to disqualify our own life, which is the best sermon ever preached, by trying to do faith alone. We don't want to fall in the water without somebody still applauding us. When we stumble and fall, who's there to pick you up? Because if we're doing life together while we're doing life with God, there'll be someone there, and they'll still believe in you. Scripture, prayer, people, three-legged stool, it'll have balance, right? So how will you increase 
your intentionality this week. Long first thought, I know. But the area of scripture. Set up a Bible plan. Simply go to the next steps page, either on the app or the website, openlife.church slash next steps. And right there you can link to develop a Bible plan on version. Prayer. Set a time and place to pray after reflecting on what you read in scripture and people. Begin to raise the bar of your presence with other people. Whether that's here at church, whether it's in a group when it launches in the fall. Thought two. Connection requires consistency. If we want to really be connected, we need to be consistent about it. We referenced it a moment ago, but the early church met daily. It wasn't a big deal. Oh, I have to see those guys from church again today? <sighs> right? All the people with elementary kids are invited to our house to jump in the pool today. That's an email went out. If we don't have your email, then it might not have got to you, but you're invited. 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock. Oh, they're coming over at 2. We just saw them at 10. Can you imagine being that way? That's not at all the way the church is supposed to be. It's like, wow, life on life brings energy is the goal, I think. There's vital importance to consistently, physically being in the presence of one another. And we have that opportunity at church. We have that opportunity in groups when they're in session. The church is people. And something powerful happens when we worship together. Something powerful happens when we're growing in our relationship with Jesus together. Something powerful can even happen when we talk to somebody who's dropping off kids in the same class, age realm as us. Or when we look across the row and see somebody in our, that's similar in our age or maybe recognize a neighbor that we can connect with afterwards if they don't sprint out real fast or something. Never underestimate the power of a smile or an introduction, sharing your name, even the second time if you've done it before for the sake of the person. Isn't that the worst? When like, I know I met them last week. I already forgot their name. Shoot. It's that awkward moment. I used to have a code with people. I would do this. And if somebody saw me doing that while I was talking to somebody, they would walk over and introduce themselves and get their name again so that now I would relearn their name. Now you know the code, so I'm going to have to come up with something different. Anyway, so, you know, it's like, what is their name? It's awful. I, I actually like calling people by the wrong name versus no name at times just to try to help myself remember it. But if you just introduce yourself by name, hey, I'm Thad. It'll do something. Because people want to know people. We're here to engage in our relationship with God, but each other as well. How powerful is it to be present? And even a bit early. Something interesting happens when you're a guest in a church. It's, you're unsure about what's going to be there. You're knowing you probably have to, you're going to check your kids in somewhere. So maybe you show up. 15 minutes early or 10 minutes early. That can be a lonely time in the seats. If you're like the first one, and, and, and that just kills like a lot of us who serve, is going, oh my word, there's a guest sitting there all by themselves amongst a hundred chairs in, a in this big of a room is sometimes terrifying, right? So what would it be like if we just showed up a bit early? 
just to love people, to be present for others, right? How important is it to be present if you've invited guests to join you? And that does raise the bar of accountability, doesn't it? If you're like, I, well, I invited that person and they said they might come. Okay, I better be there today. Because it's awesome when somebody shows up for church and they're like, yeah, I'm uh, looking for so-and-so. They, they invited me and they're never there. But the guest is there. That's always a fun Sunday. So, you know, again, as somebody wired for hospitality, I'm like, who can I introduce them to like now? to where they're not lonely waiting at the back door for their guest to show up or for their host to show up and they're the guest. It'd be like inviting somebody to your house for dinner and you just leave the front door open but you don't show up. It's like, here's how to prepare it. <laughs> you leave a little note on the refrigerator. It'd be weird. So there's nothing more powerful about the health of your relationship with God and each other or your desire to to do life and faith with one another than inviting someone. That's why we put invites in your worship guide every week. We know that if somebody's inviting people, something's happening in their relationship with God that is very powerful. And uh, oftentimes, uh, we'll, you know, see people will come and I'll say, man, how did you hear about us? And they'll say, Google, and I love Google. That's awesome. But we can just tell there's something unique happening and powerful in people's life if they say, well, I was invited by, like that's a win, right? When your guests show up, do you want it to be one of those weeks everybody's on vacation? Or do you want it to be a week, kind of like today, or, uh, you know, where there's a little more critical mass is what they call it in church world, where it feels exciting. Maybe a row has to be put out, and you hear the chairs mid-worship scraping against the dusty floor, right? And you're like, you're like I, I kind of, there's something exciting about critical mass. There's, in, in our world, in, at Open Life Bonnie Lake, that's about 100 people. Uh, something exciting. It feels like, oh, a lot of people are growing in their relationship with Jesus if there's about 100 people. But on one of those weeks that maybe a lot of people are on vacation and it's more like 30, it's like, <gasps> right? It's a harder week. It's interesting, isn't it? It's just, there's nothing big, right or wrong about it. It's great to go on vacations. We love the fact that you're doing life with your family and growing and strengthening your marriages. That's a win. But if we're just choosing, uh, uh, Mariners are doing a doubleheader today. I think I'm going to catch the first one. See if they could stay at 500 uh, and, and link up the second spot in the wild card. Uh, just wait till game two or DVR it, right? It's those moments where because somebody might need me to be present so that their guest feels welcome today. I just wonder what would happen if we heightened our presence if we heightened our priority on consistency, if we became available to serve others. Because this is what it says in Hebrews 10, 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. What if we commit to be here more often? What could happen? Not only in our relationship with God, but to mutually encourage one another 
I just think something unique could happen. Neglect. This word in verse 25 there in Hebrews is interesting. It made me think of the first date I went on after getting my driver's license. Can you remember back that far? Some of you are like, I'm just hoping to get a driver's license someday. You're 21. But anyway, the, uh, uh, you know, it's that moment that they say people are getting their driver's licenses later and later and later. And I'm like, girls, you're getting your driver's license like when you're 15 and a half. Is that possible? Can we do that? Where can we go? Um, it's just the reality of I don't want to be too good at helping them get places. <laughs> I want them to feel the tension of needing a license. So uh, that's me. Uh, I remember vacuuming that car. I remember polishing that car. I remember filling up the gas. Didn't want to run out of gas on my first date driving in my own car. She was older, <laughs> so I felt cool. Um, it was, I, you know, I, I was like washing it multiple times. There was no dust on it. I was filling up the tires. I even changed the oil. I paid someone to do that because I'm that guy. I do not know how to change my own oil. Sorry, guys. To not represent, but uh, figure somebody needs to support oil can Henry's. Uh, so I pulled up to Wendy's house. That was her name. I wasn't at the restaurant. I'm in an Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme 1979 gray shining Meg Wills. Oh, 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 right? That was, that was, engine was purring. And uh, I felt like a, a big guy. I was no way I wanted the impression of neglecting anything about that day. Fast forward many and many a year. Married, four kids. You know how fast kids can destroy the cleanliness of a car? Unbelievable. I think I vacuumed this like at least a day ago and it's destroyed. Now it's like Dana and I go somewhere, and I'm like, oh, sorry, hon, just, just scoot that, you know, uh, Egg McMuffin with homemade raspberry jam off the seat, and sorry about that bottle rolling back and forth at your feet. Uh, it fell on the floor out of the cup holder like three weeks ago. It's probably hot enough to sterilize the seat you just got jam on your pants from. And, uh, you know, so you're just, you're, you feel horrible. You, there's stuff everywhere on the floor, but you're just apologetic. And what is that? Neglect. It's so easy now, isn't it? I don't want to neglect my relationship with God by neglecting the opportunity I have to mutually encourage any of you in your faith. And I think we just, it's that same knock. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, okay, I need to clean the car again for the second time this year. Um, so that it, there's no neglect. It's, a, it's that we got to do something to wake ourselves up because it's this familiar and easy neglect of our relationship with Jesus that leaves us feeling a little more empty and distant and hardened. Open life, Bonnie Lake realities. This is interesting for somebody who's a numbers person, maybe. Uh, we've had 30 services so far this year at Open Life, Bonnie Lake. Seven, those that have been present at least once a month, 159 people. That's cool, right? 159 people. Uh, those that have been present 14 times, 93 people. We're talking consistency. Interesting that 14 times 93 people, uh, when our average attendance is actually 105 at this campus. 
it's just interesting to look at and go, how's our consistency in our de- growing our relationship with God? And what would faith look like if we raised the bar of our consistency, not only at church, but in doing life with one another, having each other over for a meal, hanging out with one another, letting our kids play. Jesus commands us to daily grow our relationship. Luke 9, 23, he said to a crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. Following Jesus takes daily choices. Go back and listen to the first talk called Renew. Where do you build your consistency and your connection, both with Jesus and each other? Thought three, connection requires vulnerability. Until we become vulnerable, we're not fully known. We can put up a mask. Uh, As followers of Jesus, we must strive to be fully known by others. And vulnerability allows us to, to be authentic and genuine, and that is sniffed out if you're trying to fake it in this world we live in now more than any other time. That's why I love the culture of genuine faith that's here. 1 John 1, 5 through 10 says, This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say that we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness where you're not practicing the truth. But if we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all of our sins. But if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us of the wickedness, of all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Man, we could share so many scriptures about bragging on your weaknesses and not your strengths because that's what's going to relate to others and, and boasting on that to show the power of the love and grace of God. But the challenge is here that we are supposed to be not pretending and lying about where we're at in life, but be real with one another. In fact, James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So where do you need to be more vulnerable in your connections? Where have you been desiring wonderful results, as the scripture says? Man, it'll bear wonderful results. His great power produces wonderful results. In what area of your life are you looking for that? Pretending to be perfect builds nothing but a calloused heart. Vulnerability produces victory over darkness because it exposes darkness to light. Final thought. Connection is what makes you the church. Connection is what makes you the church. Again, the church is people. And if we're to give someone a Bible who's never read the Bible before and actually wants to just figure out what's in this Bible, what's in the scriptures, and they begin to read, if they read from the beginning to end, I guarantee if you ask them when they finish, hey, what do you think the church is? It's it's people. That's exactly what the scripture says. Since the whole scripture, the Bible was written, 
we've come up with all kinds of ideas of what church is. But if you just only had the Bible to go by, it's people coming together and talking about Jesus and growing in their relationship with Jesus. And that's how kind of open life came out of that. People are the church. People being the church is about connecting with God and others. It's about being intentional, consistent, vulnerable. It's about being honest in our relationships with others. So the question is, where do you need to be the church? Our action point today is to reconnect with Jesus and each other. So how is that going to play out in your world? Maybe you're going to download a new Bible reading plan and start to daily work your way through a scripture or a devotional on version. Maybe you're just going to re-up that daily practice of scripture and set a time of when you're going to do it, when you're going to pray. Maybe for you, you're going to figure out how you can up your consistency in your faith. And go from a once a week conversation that might just be overwhelming to more of a daily practice of the faith. Maybe instead of once a month making it to church, you're going to jump up to a couple times a month or three or however many. Not just for you, but for others as a way of spurring one another on in the faith. Or maybe for you, You just need to invite somebody over for dinner and get to know someone. Introduce yourself by name to somebody today that you've never introduced yourself to. It might be your neighbor. It might live in your neighborhood. And begin to develop relationships that are life-giving. That's what I'm going to pray for you today. So God, thank you for giving me an opportunity to dive into your scriptures and, and be challenged be challenged by the things you want us to walk out so that we'll have that deep love for one another and and yet grow in our relationship with you so that we can live life to the full outside of these walls after this hour together. I pray that God, you would allow those in this room that have yet to say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior, to, to make a simple declaration of faith in you today and begin to grow in that relationship. We want to celebrate with them if they make that step. But I just pray that, God, if they've yet to cross that line of faith, whatever it looks like for them, that they would simply just invite you into their life. They'd say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. And that we could celebrate that relationship and fan it into flame. But, God, for the rest of us, when, when we have that relationship or that confession already, we've made that choice to follow Jesus. I pray that we would keep that relationship going and we'd do it daily. Help us up the bar of our consistency and relationship with you and the heart we have for each other. May we do things that would mutually encourage one another in the faith. I thank you for those you put in our life in this room, but I thank you for our neighbors, for our community, and the opportunity we have to serve it. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for this day. In your name we pray. Amen.